Welcome back to this next episode of Body and Wine Podcast. I'm so excited for you to meet total babe Emma Dines, my guest today. She's the kind of woman who brings out the total babe in others as well. And it was a hot and sweaty summer night last July when we recorded and Emma and I discussed equally hot and sweaty things. We begin our conversation with some Buddhist teachings that have inspired Emma throughout her 20s. We weave into first times having sex later than some may expect. We touch on the often tough reality of jealousy and look at its salvation, trust, and what freedom in a relationship could look like. And we talk about many more juicy things as well. Thank you so much for joining the conversation, as always, here and now on Body and Wine. Please, we're so hungry. We're hungry for more. body of those listening is the temple of the Holy Spirit and together we desire and agree that it is in good health. Oh. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Let's do our little introduction. Yeah. Tell me about your podcast. Oh my God. <coughs> What's it all about? What's it all about? Charlie? What's it all about? What's it all about? So Emma, mm-hmm. welcome to Body and Wine, conversations on sex and spirituality. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited to talk to you about sex and spirituality. <laughs> We're doing it. Here we are. <laughs> With our bras on. This is the top, actually. <laughs> this is a shirt. Yeah, I'm being rude in my underwear. <laughs> You're being very tasteful in your bathing suit. I'm so hot that my glasses are steaming. I know. It could be good for us to introduce maybe how we know each other. I have two key moments that come to mind in terms of when I felt more connected to you. One being, you'll remember the memory quite well. We're at the root stage which is at a festival called the Ohm Festival in southern Ontario in the forest, romping around with whatever, a thousand, fifteen hundred other colorful people. And um, we're just like having a great time. And I remember taking off my bra underneath what I was wearing, which I don't think was much. I think it was like a sheer dress. Yeah, I think it was lace. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was lingerie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Taking off my bra from under the lingerie and then making a bracelet out of it, Mm -hmm. wrapping around my wrist. And then I go up to you, so excited. Emma, my bra is on my wrist. Yeah. (laughs) And then I'm pretty sure you said, oh my God, can I motorboat you? Was it with my face or was it with my hands? I feel like I like... I think it was with your hands for sure at the beginning. Yeah. It may or may not have progressed. I don't remember. Yes. Yeah. Because memories over the years bleed into each other. Definitely gone to motorboating at later (laughs) times. (laughs) Yeah. So it was a great affair. And then the other memory that comes to mind is when... So Emma and I have both spent... I mean, I've been in Kitchener-Waterloo. I was here for about 10 years. You've been here for quite a while as well. But that long. Yeah. And have gotten to know each other over the years. But I think I really started to get to know you maybe four or five years ago. I was driving to Toronto. and That's my memory, yeah. Giving you a ride. And that's when you uh, were convincing me to come to Ohm for Mm -hmm. the first time. Yeah. And I had an agenda. We're like, let's get Carolyn Mm -hmm. to go to Ohm. And I was like, I'll work on her. You work on her. Mm -hmm. And then... uh, And it worked on me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that during that conversation... From what I remember, we actually talked a lot about 
the general subjects of what we are talking today Mm -hmm. about on the podcast. And I think that kind of festival community has been one that I've been able to like really learn so much about. Like I've, I've needed to work on these areas of my life over the years. And that's been one of the safest, most beautiful places to do that. So yeah. Thanks, actually, for yeah. that, for convincing me to go to the festival. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, about you, Emma, I'm just thinking how I would want to describe you. Okay. <laughs> so Emma Dines is a colorful, vibrant human being. Yeah, when I think of you, I just picture texture and color, but not just in what you wear, but just in like how you embody your life and a wonderful member of community, very open and intentional with people and I think has a lot of wisdom. I mean, I've known you in your professional capacity as a yoga instructor, but also as a friend and community member. And I'm just excited to talk to you about sex (laughs) and the things around that. Yeah. How would you describe yourself? How would I describe myself? In this context or any context, what's important to you for people to know? It's funny. I, I feel like less and less I've been wanting to describe myself like I and it's not like a strong like I don't want to describe myself mm. but you know back when I had a blog I do still have a blog but back when I you know it was like what you know 10 words am I gonna write in my bio on blo- my blog or twitter or whatever yeah. um it'd be like thinker poet yogi clown lover gardener blah 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 like just like yeah. all these roles or whatever yeah and um I don't feel as interested in doing that anymore like it's not like I'm anti doing that yeah I just don't feel like I need to name any of the things that I do yeah I just want to be and people can get to know you people. through your yeah in fact and... I actually avoid telling people I'm a yoga teacher when they meet me hmm. because there's all these ideas of what a yoga teacher right. is like like yeah. people will project oh you must be super fit or oh mm. you must be really strong or oh, you must be so spiritual or mm. whatever and they're like very yeah. I mean quote positive kinds of projections for most people some people are like oh you're a yoga teacher you must be mm. kind of annoying and mm. wooey and yeah <laughs> like yeah. unreliable or something <laughs> So, but mm-hmm. I avoid telling people because I feel like I'm not, I mean, I feel like probably most yoga teachers are not the stereotype and I feel like I'm really not. So yeah, so I don't know how to describe myself, but I would say that like community is a huge thing that I love to nurture and participate in yeah. my life. So, and sometimes I'm referred to as like the mom of the community, Yeah. Uh, but even that I don't like, I like that, but I don't want that to be so solid because I don't want it to be that everybody doesn't feel like they could nurture the group or to get stuck in roles that aren't flexible then over time and I don't know if it's coming from like any sort of similar place but I have felt like in my kind of mid-20s I went through these years where I did really need to identify and I wanted to figure out what those identifiers were Mm -hmm. and that was also super important for me I mean and even last year like for me to kind of well, I guess the last couple of years, but to different groups of people coming out as pansexual or bisexual, depending on who I'm talking to, was super important, but kind of to be able to then move to a place where it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Like it was almost like I came to these identifiers for myself. And then after that, that was enough. Like now I also kind of don't care what people, not that I don't care what people think of me, but it's like, yeah, I don't know. I would rather them get to know me through experience than needing to like put up a big identifier or something. Mm -hmm. What's pansexual? Pansexual. Pansexual, I hope I can describe this correctly. So, I mean, if you look at bisexual, 
by being two, it's looking at like the gender binary still. And so it's like, okay, I'm attracted to men or women. So gender is still kind of like the defining feature of your orientation. Pansexual is moving towards, more towards, I mean, you, you definitely can still be into men or women, but it's moving more towards the idea that I'm actually just attracted to a person in the moment. And they could be a man, they could be a woman, they could be like... Whatever presented. Whatever. Yeah, or whatever. Gender. Yeah. That however they identify is not like a prerequisite necessarily to us having some sort of connection. So it just, for me, kind of removes that. And I mean, I think thus far, I've only been into men or women. I don't, as far as I know, have been into someone who's non-binary. But it, it's less about that and more just about like being into people in a moment and relationships are so fluid and so sometimes it's sexual romantic sometimes it's not it's interesting I feel like the word bisexual feels like it has a connotation of like objectification Hmm. like which is and I hope nobody finds that offensive but like it's you know I think I think it's been objectified by our patriarchal culture you know like Mm -hmm. oh I hope that girl's bisexual so she'll have a threesome totally me cis man and another cis woman or something so like bisexual seems yeah there's something about it the split of the two I know a lot of people who identify as queer Mm -hmm. and they're in straight relationships right and yeah I sometimes wonder or maybe you know need to do more research and talk to people but like Mm -hmm. about like identifying as queer as sort of a political stance like to Mm, to mm -hmm. like not have a straight like I'm in a straight relationship but like not having that be then that means that you're straight yeah yeah I think it definitely could be for some people like queer as far as I understand that word and as far as I use that word is that it's flexible according to the person using it and so to really understand what that definition means for that person is to get to know that person Mm -hmm. Which um, is sort of like the f- whole fucking point of, yes, you know, what exactly. we were talking about earlier. Totally. And, and I, I love to that. say, I'm this, I'm that. And I know that for some people, the word queer is like very empowering and very healthy. Mm-hmm. And I studied Buddhism for a while. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, a range of teaching that eventually leads to like the emptiness teaching, which you have to wait a really long time to get there. So I never got there, but they would talk about it. Like eventually emptiness is the final teaching Mm. and I remember there was like so much definitions happening and defining anger defining emotion defining qualities of mind and what to do with how to interact with your anger how to banish it from your experience Mm. blah 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 Mm. but then a teacher saying to me but at the end there are no categories like we're Ah. we're putting everything into like all these different categories Mm -hmm. but then the final teaching is there are no categories and I was like okay I'm really (laughs) doing all this category work here and I feel like we are Mm. kind of doing that as a culture you Mm -hmm. know like we're we're trying to expand the categories in order to break them open yeah I love that you say that because actually in a way I've used like, I use the word spirituality in the podcast because I'm obsessed with this word right now. For me, moving away from categorization and certainty in religion and obsession with certainty and moving away mm. from that more and more and more into this realm of, like, unknown and I would say forms of unity and but still holding this mystery, I'm still very much into the spiritual realm, even when I moved away from the religious. Mm-hmm. 
growing up, I was kind of taught, you know, if you're not into this way of seeing a certain form of truth, then you're not actually spiritual. And so when I meet other people who kind of, I don't know, are also on this journey of just understanding what is, what is the spiritual realm. And so many people seem to be moving away from defined understandings of that, but still are open to it, seeking it. And so I just like understanding different people's perspectives. But I recently started listening to an Alan Watts talk. Uh, do you know who Alan Watts mm-hmm. is? I actually don't even really know if I could describe him for the sake of the podcast, but I'll just say Alan Watts. You can look him up. Um, if you don't know him, you should. <laughs> he's a white guy. <laughs> yeah, he's a really white guy. This particular podcast was looking at the religion of no religion. I mean, I just hear that and I'm like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But just going to what you were saying about he really started to explain to me and break down, yeah, the idea of, what did he call it? I think it was like multiplicity and unity. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he was trying to, I think, explain Buddhist thought, basically, but also trying to say that, like, the ideal is to actually find the balance within that. So, like, to understand multiplicity, like, the world being all these separate, independent and equal pieces that are all functioning together, but then also understanding, whoa, how they all function together, but not staying there in that mm-hmm. unity, like actually being able to function between those two worlds being like the ultimate goal, as opposed to like one being enlightenment and one being more like logical and ideal, mm-hmm. um, which I kind of thought was pretty fascinating. When did you study Buddhism? I started in first year university. I used to bike from Conrad Grable to my Mennonite residence. Mm-hmm. I'm not a Mennonite, but I was attracted to the spiritual community there. Mm. Bike from there every Monday night to the Kitchener Public Library mm-hmm. for a class with this teacher named Kundin. Mm. She was a Buddhist nun. Mm-hmm. And I, oh my gosh, was so affected by the classes. They were maybe an hour and a bit, and she would talk for maybe half an hour to 45 minutes. We would meditate for like 15 minutes, and then we would mm-hmm. have like a closing. Mm-hmm. And I remember I kind of had this challenge to myself to not take any notes to see how much I could retain just by listening. Uh-huh. Wow. And so, and it was amazing. I actually felt like I listened in this totally different way. And that was sort wow. of my, my practice. Like, how do I retain this and try to understand it hmm. rather than capture it yeah. on paper? And the teachings were so useful to me. I felt like I'd been... Up until that point in my life, you know, naming qualities like I want to be more patient or I want to be more this. And I would write about that in my journal or whatever. But I didn't have any specific way to do that. Huh. And the these classes and talks gave me these like very specific strategies. Some of which were like part of meditation, but a lot of them were just like in your day-to-day life. Cool. So I remember one of the practices was... Or one of the main teachings was about working on the quality of self-cherishing, which is like putting yourself first. Don't like don't do that. No, but it's like it's it was so interesting because um, like it's not like don't set your own boundaries and take care yeah. of yourself and blah blah blah. But it was more like when we orient to the world with ourselves at the forefront, mm-hmm. we have a different experience than when we orient to the world with love for others at the forefront. Mm. So it was a challenging teaching and brain melting fuck to like think about it. But I remember 
the practice that was offered was to like when you meet any person Mm -hmm. like say in your mind like may you be happy Hmm. like like and to just focus on the other person's happiness health experience wow and I remember people really challenging the teacher and being like but you know we need to take care of ourselves and blah blah blah. what do you mean and I remember her just saying like okay and like have you ever tried not doing that and what what would happen Mm, mm. and I remember being like okay all right all right I'm gonna try this and I remember walking around the university campus and my residence and like every person I saw trying to say in my mind like may you be happy Mm. and it totally changed things like wow and it changed my social anxiety in a huge way like because I was no if I was in a social situation I was no longer just thinking about how do I look how do I seem am I funny am I this but instead I was just focusing on other people's happiness and so it's like my focus on myself softened I became happier because I wasn't thinking Mm. about myself Mm -hmm. so strongly and I also feel like in a way I used not used buddhism but i felt like i hung on to buddhism at that point in my life in order to to be i kind of like neutered myself a little bit because i was afraid of sexual or not afraid of sexuality i was challenged by or felt insecure and so it was like i'll just be i thought i'll just become a buddhist nun because then i don't have to worry about um the power of that connection or or... yeah or like (laughs) i don't have to think about getting married or whatever I'll just be mm-hmm. a be a nun because it you know you can be so happy thinking about the happiness of other people and <laughs> right. like la 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 yeah. and I was like a virgin at that time and like just yeah you know convinced that I wouldn't ever have sex or <laughs> <laughs> so what changed that um sex eventually <laughs> <laughs> okay no longer gonna yeah. be a nun goals changed <laughs> no I well so that was in you know like my first year or two years, I was at university. I was like st- studying that, and I worked Buddhism into my independent studies degree, mm. like kind of bringing it into contemplative education, which is an alternative education, which is what I was studying. Cool. And then in my third year, I went away to do some semesters abroad, and one of them was at a eco village in in Scotland called Finhorn. Oh, I've Finhorn heard of Foundation. Finhorn. Oh yeah, it's like a spiritual mecca for a lot of people. Wow. Like, they talk to garden spirits and nature gnomes and pan and well, blah, blah, blah. Is that Celtic spirituality? Uh, or no. no? It's more, like, intentional community, yeah. free love type, type yeah. stuff? Yeah. Not really free love. Like, oh, okay. that is that is kind of an ethos of a lot of eco-villages, but... I went to Finhorn. I was still, like, really into Buddhism. There was actually, like, a Buddhist temple across the street, and I would go there for, like, the early morning meditation. And there was a guy in my group who eventually became my first lover. And, like, right up until it all happened, like, I was like, we're just gonna, we're gonna be good friends because I just put myself in the friend zone with, like, every man that I was attracted to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's actually great. Do you want to hear this story? I want to hear the story. So his name was Kyle, and he was this, like, beautiful... He kind of, his face, like, reminds me of a horse. Like, (laughs) he's just, like, a kind of, like, broad nose and face horse lion slash mm. lion <laughs> we're really on yeah. side note emma yeah. and i watched <laughs> one the lion, lion king, king last, last night, night. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's interesting because the story also includes my friend emily so emily was in the group as well and so our student group mm-hmm. in scotland and 
Emily, like within two days or three days, said to me like, "Oh my god, I like such a crush on Kyle." Like she did. She, Emily had a crush on Kyle. Yeah, and oh. I was like, as soon as she said that, I mean, Kyle was super hot. I was like, "Oh, okay." Like I'm gonna just assume I, that you're yeah. gonna get in there, right? And I'm, gonna and I'm like, a nun anyway. Yeah, I'm gonna put myself <laughs> in the friend zone and support you. Totally. Within a few more days than that, she was like, "Oh, I talked to him, and he's like so not into me." <laughs> <laughs> like he's like he they were uh, roommates there mm-hmm. like because we were in these little cabins mm-hmm. and he was like they're basically like male and female versions of each other wow and okay. he was like um i really like you he was right. like, but like i don't think that that's gonna happen and she was like okay but still mm. like really pining after him this went on for like another five or six weeks we were there for 12 or 14 weeks total so halfway through and we eventually at some point we were we were all like sleeping in the same room. Kyle and I were sleeping on the couch and Emily was sleeping on the floor. Mm-hmm. And Kyle and I were just like sharing the couch in a friendly way because I had completely put myself in that experience. Right. And then we woke up really early in the morning and he and I were like, our faces were really close and we started to talk quietly. Mm-hmm. And then it became apparent that there was like this feeling and this energy. Yeah. And. I think we kissed. Okay. And I was like... And had you ever kissed before or was that all new also? Um, I had kissed... Yeah, I'd made out with people in high school and mm-hmm. different experiences, but like nothing that was meaningful. Okay. So I almost felt like I hadn't kissed anybody because right. they'd all been like sloppy drunk mm. makeouts that you regret the next yeah. day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we kissed, but I actually was like not sure if Emily was awake or if she could hear us. Mm. And then an alarm went off and Emily sprung up and was like, okay, let's get going. And I was like, was she awake? Like I, did she hear all of that? Yes. And I was like, oh my God, did I betray her? Uh, Like, is she going to be upset? And uh, we were doing a bunch of like work in the garden that day. And so we were like doing that and I never got a chance to talk to her. It was like a really busy day. And then our group ended up having this like talent show and she was like, I wrote a poem and she like read this poem and talked about each member of our group and the line about me was like and Emma who would never tell a lie and I was like oh my god she totally hurt us and like what is going on and then she kind of disappeared that night and I didn't know where she couldn't find her to talk to her and I was like oh my god so then finally the next day um we ended up like being in totally different cabins and then the next day um, I like found her in the garden and I ran up to her and I was like, Emily. And she was holding a pitchfork in a bucket and she was, she came towards me and she was like, I know I'm free. And I was like, what? And she was like, it was never about, it was never going to be me and Kyle. And I was just like focusing on that because my dad's dying and I just needed something to focus on. Whoa. And she said, and as soon as I heard you guys talking, I knew like, that's what's real. That's what needs to happen. Whoa. And I know that you... You weren't lying to me that whole time. Because, like, literally, I listened to her talk about, like, how much she liked him for, yeah. like, six weeks. Wow. And she was like, I know you weren't lying to me that whole time. I know that you weren't we were sitting totally, there, like, no, being yeah. like, I have designs on Yeah. She was like, I just know that that's what's supposed to happen. Amazing. Yeah. And I was so glad. And I was like, okay, so your poem was, like, actually true. It wasn't sarcastic. <laughs> and she's like, no, no, no. Oh. And we've, like, stayed super close. Cool. Or when I think back on that, I think about trust between women Hmm. when it comes to relationships with men. Yeah. And not like this defensiveness pitted against each other kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I was so Hmm. like happy that she 
could see and remember her true experience of me in that yeah instead of and pretty fresh in the moment like that's super wise i think to be able to pick up on that yeah so you ended up sleeping with that so later yeah so yeah. it was like all super new to me yeah um and actually it there's it's a complicated story but so he had been with another person, a girlfriend, for a few years, and she was in Ireland mm. um, on an exchange program, but they broke up like two weeks after, or like a week after we all got started the program. Oh, wow. So fresh. So, but then right after we, Kyle and I first had our our kiss and other um, experiences, mm-hmm. um, we hadn't slept together yet, mm-hmm. she came to visit. Wow. And so we decided to to just stop because mm-hmm. she was coming to visit and he didn't he just still had feelings for her and yeah. I was like I want you to have feelings for yeah, her yeah. like this and is that's legitimate you, like this. you've been with for two years and it was so funny because all a lot of the other women in the group were like Emma like aren't you like jealous like mm. she's here and like upset and I was mm. like no like I don't want him to turn off his feelings yeah for her mm-hmm. and then she she was only there for a few days and then she went back to Ireland and then another week later he and I were like, okay, yeah, this makes sense now. Wow. After he got some, like, did whatever he did. Yeah, he kind of, like, I think they kind of completed their, Mm. um, whatever they needed. Yeah. So. Wow, that's, that sounds like a beautiful, healthy context to have your first time in as well. Yeah. Like, supportive, you can talk things through. Yeah. Mm. Mm Hmm. What, how old were you, can I ask? I was 23. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, too, because, like, we, um, like, I was a virgin and I was 23 and we, in my group, right before Kyle, like the night before Kyle and I kissed, we had this like game or whatever and it was like, at what age did you lose your virginity? And I was like, still having, I'm 23. Like, like we had to write it on these pieces of paper or whatever. So it was interesting though because I feel like it was very comfortable and not at all awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike some of my friends who lost their virginity when they were in their teens. Mm-hmm. Um there was like maybe more self-consciousness and things to work through, but I felt like I'd worked through a lot of my body image issues. Right. Uh, or like not a lot of them. I would say I worked through 60% of them, <laughs> yeah. which is a good amount. Yeah. More you, than like, more than like 10, per, I think I'm like 90%. Um, okay. Great. Yeah. But like if I get pregnant and maybe freak out about my body changing, I'll like go down to like, you know, a 60 again. We can do a new episode. Yeah. Yeah. Great. <laughs> That's so, yeah, I also had sex, like, when I was, I think, like, 24, basically turning 25. And it's funny to me a little bit to look back on because for all the criticisms I have of, like, there was, I think the reasons why it took me that long to have sex for the first time, I'm super critical of. But Mm. actually, like, for at least for where I've been at every stage of my life, I'm glad it happened at that point yeah. and not sooner because I think if it happened sooner given my life and my belief systems and the communities that I was in and stuff I think it could have been like really a lot harder to work through mm. when it actually happened so that's yeah I also but I felt a little bit self-conscious of that for a while how like, I was gonna say like how far past your like religious upbringing were you at that point like were you still involved mm. in the church or like not anymore that's a good question had you kind of declared your different my heathen intention. <laughs> um, 
Oh, also, this is kind of fun. It happened for this first time right there. What do you mean? Like in the it, next house? Like Aaron Street. Do you remember I lived there? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, the red house. Yeah, yeah. Like across the street. Oh. Ah, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, that's where I had sex for the first time. It's also kind of a funny story. Um, slash, like, slightly fucked, but great. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I was, how far past my religious upbringing? So at that point, I think I had just. Body and Wine Podcast encourages guests to freely discuss their experiences, ideas, and opinions. These beliefs and stories are representative of the individuals that share them. Amongst laughs and bits of wisdom, these conversations can also include varying challenges related to belief and sexuality. Please use your discretion as you listen, and as always, take care of yourself. So I hadn't left the church yet. I was still actually a youth leader, a leading youth at a church in town. So I was still in the church formally, but at that point had definitely already begun to come to terms with myself of I'm actually not a Christian anymore. But at that point... And I'm going to prove it by <laughs> yeah, exactly. fucking around. Fucking around. But I had definitely, like, I still at that point, I think, believed in some form of, like, God, one being, but I didn't know what that meant. And actually, I had wanted to have sex for a long time, penetrative sex, but I think... I think I was, and this was good of me for myself because I can be a sensitive person. It was good of me to realize I needed that. I knew that I knew that once it happened, I would go wild. <laughs> like I, you know, like yeah. I, I knew once the first oh, yeah. time happens, fine, I'll, I'll experiment. <laughs> but I needed that. The one. gates are open. <laughs> yeah, 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 the floodgates. <laughs> but I needed the one time to be healthy. I needed it mm. to be with a good person who I trusted, I didn't need to be with them for the, like, it was a very, like, particular yeah. moment that I was looking for, and it actually, I was ready for probably, like, like two or three years. the first one years. to be sacred, and then I'm just gonna yeah. go crazy. Yeah. yeah, I grew up in hardcore purity culture, and I internalized that super deeply, and um, even though I had come out intellectually, I had so many, like, bodily, mental, emotional instincts that I just, like, needed care. So the first person that I did it with was my boyfriend at the time. Actually, it was so it was kind of funny. It was like bring when I met him and we both worked for this organization that was quite large, but kind of like every so often had these trainings where you kind of met up with people and did trainings. So we had never worked together, but worked for the same organization. And the way that we met was we were randomly paired up and we did this exercise where so we were working with people who had mental and physical special needs and we were paired uh, across from each other. Everyone was in a line facing each other and slowly were meant to walk towards each other and stop when you feel uncomfortable and then stare into each other's eyes for a very long time. Mm. Um, but kind of like only stop when you feel like... Can they keep walking towards you? Uh, no, like when they sense you stop, then you okay. have to stop. So it's about trying to like read something right. else, whatever, all this other, but still have connection, these things. And it was crazy because we just like stared at each other for so long. We got really close and it was like, oh my God. So we got really close. And then I think it was still a couple months later that we met again at the working center and whatever kind of like I got his contact. We got together. I think he was seven years older than me. And so in my head, I was thinking, great. Like he's definitely <laughs> not a virgin. He definitely wants to have sex. I definitely want to have sex. It's going to be great. And then we're just sitting down again over there. This happened a different day, but at this house across the street in the backyard, we had just gone to the market and we get talking about religion and he uh, is Baha'i. At the time that was very new for me. And like, 
the Baha'i faith is still considered, it's considered one of the major religions. There is, it's like a monotheistic religion, but it's kind of, it sees itself as the final, the, I think it's Baha'u'llah is like the final prophet of all the prophets. So like Muhammad and Jesus and Moses and everyone is just kind of like all leading towards the same faith and looking at the same truth, but at least in a monotheistic way with one God. So it's like trying to unify the major religions of the world, but still seeing one God. So actually at the time I was like, wow, that actually sounds really cool. Mm -hmm. The more I got into it and I went to like prayer circles with him and stuff, we both like went to each other's faith groups and stuff, which was quite awesome. Like we were both very open. But the more I got into it, it still seemed quite patriarchal to me and like closed in a way that I wanted to move away from. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I I was excited. But then it was funny because as we started to get physical, again, in my head. You were like, no, actually, he's a virgin. Yeah. 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 (laughs) He said, well, he had had sex before, but he was like, I want to, I recommitted myself to like save myself for marriage. Like, that's what I want. So then in my head, I literally start going down the road of like, so do I want to marry this guy? Like, right. I, cause I was like, shit. Like, you know, like, I mean, at that point I was still kind of actually like marriage is something that I will really, really want and whatever. Maybe this is a great situation and so much undue yeah. pressure on oh, relationships. Oh my God. So oh my God. Until marriage. But anyway. Yes, exactly. And, and that's how I feel now. But at the time that actually still fit into my framework of the world, I guess. And, but I still really wanted to have sex and he knew that. And whatever. There was this one, there was like moments where, I mean, obviously it was like, quite tempting we, we were moving towards that so he knew I really wanted to but I didn't want to pressure him but I was still kind of like teasing him into it and it's funny because like when I look back on it sometimes I'm like is the double standard there of like if this happened in a reverse situation would I be like was I pressuring too much you know to like have sex but anyway but the power dynamics are different so totally different yeah. yeah like we eventually did we did have sex and it was it was actually a really beautiful night and he really wanted to and it was like I remember it was just like pouring rain like thunder outside we, I had like nice. so many fucking twinkle lights in my room <laughs> you know it was this kind of room with like tall ceilings and big windows and Ben Howard was playing in the background oh, it was like yeah. gorgeous and like so safe and comfortable and supported and talked through which was wonderful and actually it was funny because I remember the next morning like walking down the street being like everything is the same yeah like that was the bigger thing because I had been raised my whole life to be like Mm. you know like it's this pinnacle thing and I was like everything's the fucking same you're like now that I'm going to hell how does it feel (laughs) does everyone know but here's the twist on the story so the funny thing of that relationship it was about a six-month relationship at least from like when we were like boyfriend girlfriend and this guy was considered actually I'm going to say his name because at this point I don't fucking care about his reputation (laughs) so um, his name is Greg but we would call him nice Greg because he was so nice and it was like this exciting thing for me because before that most of the people that I had been in relationships with or attracted to were people that were not necessarily healthy for me and so it was like really exciting like yay I'm into like nice Greg and like whatever and we ended up breaking up I broke up with him there was some mental health issues going on that weren't great but it was fine I kind of looked back on that relationship being like okay I, I did it at the right time for me and I think it worked out for both of us and he's a nice guy whatever moved on and then four years later this was yeah I guess a year and a half ago maybe I'm in Egypt and I get this Facebook message out of the blue from a woman I've never met before she has this long message and she talking about like this toxicity among women as well like it's just like that's a whole interesting I think part of this conversation she messages me and she's like hey I've been meaning to reach out to you for like the past four years um I'm really sorry it's taken this long 
Um, and she goes on to talk about how she was Greg's girlfriend the entire time that I was with him. She was with him for two years and I was the six months within that time. And I had no idea. And him and I spent quite a lot of time together. And I believed her right off the bat. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. And, and, and actually her hesitation with reaching out to me was because he would, she knew about me because he told her. And he would like, I guess from the sounds of it, like kind of let her compare herself to me, like an image of who I was. And then she just had me on social media, which we all know is just like the best versions of who we want ourselves to be, not necessarily like the real us. And she was manipulated and then carried through like comparing herself to me in a really unhealthy way. And it took her like a long time. And and apparently it was like super manipulative to her, which at the time I wouldn't have been able to see, but now looking back on it can totally see. And even things like, and this is, this is so crazy. So he, at the time I was, it was kind of weird, but I just like, he kind of, he was really wrestling with moral things all the time, like morality and trying to be the really good person. And actually he had a lot of depression around just like never feeling like a good enough person but also kind of like, I don't know, there was a weird sense of entitlement and pride kind of. And she would have, she said that she would have to talk him down. There were like a few big moments where she had to talk him down from believing that he was the next Baha'i prophet, which is like so wild. But I think like, it was so crazy to me because I'm glad she told me at a time in my life where this wouldn't have scarred me. Yeah. Like if it was fresh after, I would have been really, really, I had, I've already been dealing with trust issues. Like I would have been like, what? Especially mm-hmm. with it being my first time and stuff. But luckily now I can kind of look at it very much at like an arm's length. I'm pretty sure he's like some form of narcissist. Yeah. <laughs> but wild. Well, I mean, that's, if it, the, the dipping between am I a prophet, am I worthy mm. sounds a bit like bipolar or not narcissist. yeah yeah some, something going on in terms of mental health definitely but anyway that's my first time story but after him i had many many a great many experience. many <laughs> <laughs> okay what did you want to talk about well i wanted to kind of be like tell me about your best time or like like it's like the most memorable sexual experiences mm. but then i also was like i but i think this is because i think also like definitions of what makes a great time and how we view that yeah has also changed over my life. It's still changing. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. Okay, so kind of a, I had an ex, I would say I had a six week, very intense love affair with oh. this person. Uh-huh. This was six or seven years ago now. Mm-hmm. And I met them at a party. I'd never taken anyone home the night of, took them home. And it wasn't that night that was really significant. Mm-hmm. It was so basically we we met, had this incredible connection, and he I, at the time I was living in this household that was practicing relating, trying to relate in new ways. Okay, so trying to relate in a way in ways that superseded our cultural programming, and mm. sometimes it was called Humanity Three. Like if we're, we grew up in Humanity Two, we're moving to Humanity Three. How do we create? practices in ourselves and as communities to like move into that cool. place in a, a culture that takes care of the earth that takes care of each other that yeah is different is you know yeah so I lived in the house for five years and when I he was super connected to and interested in this house that I lived in mm-hmm. and in the ideas and I would tell him about them and he was yeah he was very excited but he was super mentally agile we had these incredible conversations about what we could what can we be as people what can culture be 
so that was a huge aspect of the attraction as well as he was just mm-hmm. like a he was this like curly haired kind of fireball like mm. I was so I was Drawn so attracted to, his, to him yeah. yeah and a few weeks in, like three weeks into it he's going to his brother's wedding mm-hmm. I haven't heard from him in like a day or two which is a little bit odd for him and I have a dream mm-hmm. that he's standing in front of me and he says Emma I met somebody else and I woke up out of my sleep whoa and I have only done that two times in my life mm-hmm. and they were both kind of like prophetic times mm. and so I was like okay and I'd been having anxiety because he hadn't been responding to me something in your intuition was like behaviors yeah. changed or something right so then it was like another week before I saw him and he was it, it took him a while to get back to me and I was like yeah yeah so and sorry did you totally message up. him after that dream or no, no. I let yeah. it be I was like I'll just talk to him in person so it took him a while and then when I saw him he was jittery and I was like okay mm-hmm. and finally we are sitting on the roof of his house mm-hmm. and he turns to me and he says am I met somebody Whoa. at my brother's wedding mm-hmm. and I said I know I had a dream about it and I said that must have been really hard for you to tell me that mm-hmm. and he was so surprised that that was my response right that my response was that must have been really hard for you to tell right. me like with Carrie and not like immediately defensive what are you doing yeah. to me what are you yeah and like mm-hmm. it just everything opened up and he mm-hmm. was just like how did you do that? And I was like, I don't know. I just mm. was thinking about, I, I, I had this dream last week. I've been thinking about it for a week and I anticipated that as a possibility. Yeah. And I yeah. didn't doubt that we had a connection. So right. I knew that, you know, it was going to be hard for him to tell me that. Yeah. And he told me about, you know, I met this person. She's my, she was like a bridesmaid in my brother's wedding. So she's like friends of my brother's wife's mm-hmm. she, friends of my brother's wife she fits all of the, she he said she like checks all the boxes for huh. like me and also what my family interesting want and and we've been talking about how checklists were about checklists and partners and how they're kind of bizarre because to have a checklist of mm. something and a connection that hasn't happened yet mm. is like online shopping and yeah. partnership is not really about consumerism yeah yeah Anyway, so it was just, that was an interesting, like, notice that he was like, she checks all the boxes, and I was like, oh, okay. He and I had been talking, we hadn't said, let's be monogamous, this or that. I'd said, you know, I wouldn't call myself polyamorous or anything, you know, I don't use, I don't use labels. No, (laughs) but I like, or, you know, I think that relationships are, well, the relationships will tell you what they need to be at different times. Yeah. And yeah, so, and he was so interested and excited about that way of thinking about it. Because his, his past girlfriend who he'd been with for like three or four years had been very jealous of mm. his interactions with other women. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we go through this whole discussion and talk of this thing. Mm-hmm. And we end up making love in this, wow. like, m- this most connected way. Like, wow. And I felt like... I remember we both used to wear rings and we uh-huh. he was like he like took my rings off and he was like I just don't want anything else here. Wow. And he took his rings off and like mm. and it was I felt like I was like making love to the universe. Like wow. it felt like there was nothing between wow. us. And then the next day hmm. he was actually getting on a bus to go to Ottawa to, to see, see her. Whoa. Whoa. And 
And I... And how was that? It was That like, was, like... And because I felt like... Right. I'm not opposed to you having this connection with her. And then mm. it kind of all went downhill from there. Like, I said, I'm not threatened by this. And mm. I... I don't know what, what open relationships look like. But, like, I just want you to know that I don't want you to not have this connection with her. Because if it... Because it, it wasn't just that she checked the boxes. There was also a very strong, powerful connection. Yeah. But then yeah. he was, like, confused because his connection huh. with me had been so powerful. Anyway, in the next several weeks, he was less than communicative. It was sad and difficult. Mm. And then finally, when I got a meeting out of him, he was like a completely different person. Like he just, he, I, and I was so unattracted to him. Or like, wow. I was so unattracted to him. Mm. And he said, she doesn't want me to be with other people. And I like, I want to be with her and I, you know, respect her and blah, blah, blah. And I was like okay yeah and you could have told me that right <laughs> like he right. was just like he was just like avoiding contact with me huh. not telling me what i was just like all i want is for you to tell me what you've chosen yeah 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 just basic communication what's going on yeah yeah and um mm. so anyway that was that he ended up moving to ottawa or somewhere to be with her yeah and sadly enough it wasn't until several years later that I ran into a woman friend of mine that also knew him, mm-hmm. and she told me that he'd ended up cheating on her. Wow. On this woman. And wow. That, and she said that um, he'd been home, he'd been back in Waterloo for Christmas break or something. Mm-hmm. She'd seen him in a club making out with this woman, and she was like, that's not your girlfriend from Ottawa. Like, did you guys yeah. break up? And he was like, no, no, but, but you know... Hmm. Like and he, and he said something about an open relationship and and this friend was like, pretty sure that you're not in an open relationship. And so what I kind of took from that was like he hmm. he was an incredibly fiery and like sexual and connective person. Like he connected with people hmm. really strongly. Mm-hmm. And he told me even that after she told him you can't be with other people, mm-hmm. he felt like he can't, he was like dull, like he couldn't fully be himself uh, with other uh-huh, people, uh-huh. and that's why which I wasn't in, attracted in a way to is either. actually like legitimate. But that's where you communicate that in a different way. You don't deal with it by anyway. Yeah, yeah. But it was in, it was interesting and sad that like this thing that she wanted, which was intimacy with him, and by saying the only way we can have intimacy is for you not to have it with other people. Yeah. Then pushed him away he ended up cheating on her and that's where there's so much self-awareness on her part but also on his part to say i also will not be able to function in that yeah like but um, i think there were so many shame stories for him because he actually said that like i feel like i can't open it like i can't be in an open relationship because i feel like i'll just fuck everything that moves like Uh, and because he was like magnetic and he was i think afraid of his own power his own like ability to connect with people it was like incredibly sad Mm-hmm. and we connected over poetry mm-hmm. yeah. like I would send him mystic poems mm-hmm. and he it would just blow his mind wow. anyway that was but it was mm-hmm. like interesting I still remember that experience mm-hmm. of love making because it felt mm-hmm. enormous it felt like the you know the sky opened mm-hmm. there was nothing but mm-hmm. us and there wasn't even us we mm-hmm. weren't even there um wow and I so so curious what his recollection of that all was. Like, yeah, no idea. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> oh my god, there's so many things here that it's like interesting. On the one hand, just oh my god, I have so many thoughts, but they're all like in different directions. I have ever so often I've wondered, especially this year, just about the mind blowing sex. <laughs> no, but the. Body Unwind podcast acknowledges that this episode was recorded along the Holloman Tract. 
land that was promised to the Haudenosaunee of the Six Nations of the Grand River and is within the territory of the neutral Anishinaabeg and Haudenosaunee peoples. Like, what is that crazy power that can sometimes happen from certain sexual encounters that is like, I mean, maybe scientifically explainable, but we don't always know what exactly that is at this point. I don't know. Why is it that that particular time, place, two people... But I don't want to keep having those like beautiful, mysterious encounters if it's not leading towards this like interesting sense of like nurturing love and stability kind of. That's really cool. Yeah. I feel like that's super beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it makes me, yeah, it makes me think about like, like so often we're engaging in sexuality for ourselves Mm -hmm. because it's pleasurable, because it's. That's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> it's pleasurable. Yeah. <laughs> and that there's also this other side of sexuality that is the um, bringing into the world of other beings. That that like piece like to kind of remind you to think about like what do you want when you're yeah when you might want to enter a space of. of procreation and nurturing totally and I think even like and that even said as like a metaphor of creation like I think I've moved my sexuality more into that sense of not even necessarily if it's going to be another life which is a beautiful possibility or dream or whatever but also just what is my intention like what am I creating with this experience and this other person and um it took me, I think it was really good. I literally had to swing the pendulum from like, I think for me, at least a very fucked up notion of what the role of sex is in my life. I needed to go from like the no physical contact of sex to have a lot of it. And which was not always perfect, but I needed to like Mm -hmm. balance that out. In the last like couple of years, it's now been like, okay, so now actually I, don't just want to like encounter everything that draws my attention mm-hmm. I want to think about like what what is this experience and it doesn't even necessarily mean like oh we're going to be committed by me having sex with you it's just is this nurturing to both mm-hmm. of us mm-hmm. even if it's a one night stand even if it's like a quickie at whatever like mm-hmm. it's just what is this and so then I think yeah that kind of notion of my sexuality is just shifted into it just trying to be pretty healthy and nurturing for both of us as much as possible which is not it doesn't always happen that way but that because you can't always control you know you can have your intuition but you can't always control what those experiences are going to be but um that's been cool for me to kind of like I think I realized my Christian upbringing had some good tools in terms of sexuality mostly a lot that I had to undo but then even when the pendulum swung I don't think for me what I feel are at least stereotypical Western values of sexuality also didn't give me the tools necessarily. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm moving to like a, like, then where do I draw my morality mm-hmm. from? Like, how about you? Like, where would you draw? I don't know. Like what you want out of your sexual life, how you determine what's good for you or what you want. Where would you get that from? Um, I went through a period of dating only 22 year olds <laughs> <laughs> when you were how old? 20 when you were older than 22 6 to 32 mm. <laughs> nice. 
So I dated a string of 22 to 23 year olds. Mm -hmm. And um, it was fun. They were all very attractive. And kind of at that time, it was low commitment. Some of them were like more, not serious in terms of like, we're going to be life partners, but kind of had, you know, good communication and Mm -hmm. their own beautiful intensity. Mm -hmm. And I think part of also dating younger people was this feeling like I'm not going to meet somebody, this insecurity, I'm not going to meet somebody my age that's going to be my partner. So I'm just Mm going to have fun. Mm -hmm. And that like sexuality isn't the only way to be intimate with people. So I felt like Mm -hmm. I had a lot of beautiful, intimate friendships with a lot of people, Mm -hmm. even people who'd been past, I've been in relationships before. Mm So I I didn't necessarily feel like I needed my sexual relationships to be my most intimate relationships. Yeah. And part, like, I feel like that was both, like, great and an exploration and I learned a lot. Mm. And also I, at the same time, was yearning for a relationship to go deeper Mm. than than I had and like partially it was like orgasm had not felt that attainable Mm. with 22 year olds Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) and partially because they were like more casual relationships right they were not as experienced I was like not as like willing to advocate for myself or like whatever and I remember like having this thought a few years ago, like I, like I would like to experience my orgasm in different ways mm. or at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I feel like I need the container of a more committed relationship yeah. for that to happen. And I didn't know if that was going to occur. Huh. So there was kind of like sadness and shame around that too. Yeah. And then, yeah, my partner and I have been together for coming up to two years mm-hmm. and from probably about six months in it was like okay we're gonna do this like let's have the babies and mm. let's do the this life thing together yeah which was like very new and strange I'd not ever had that feeling with anybody right before and not at a time in my life where it felt like um I trusted myself <laughs> like Make to that. have those feelings yeah and to be like this is a that's the decision good decision (laughs) um and I have felt like I've started to move in that direction Mm. of like feeling like my experience of my sexuality is growing and ebbs and flows like right I think we've started to hit that like oh it's not as hot as it was at the beginning right yeah like what is this and as we you know are getting ready to like in the next six months get pregnant like that'll mm. also affect wow. everything mm-hmm. but with right now it feels like the need to include other people in our relationship is not strong mm-hmm. so we're monogamous mm-hmm. it was funny I we went to Burning Man last year it was my fourth time his first time and it was my suggestion that he spend a few days by himself like and then come back to our shared camp later mm-hmm. and while he was out on his own i met this man named tate 
who I like like just looked into his eyes and was like oh my god and also side note I thought you said taint oh no <laughs> Tate. <laughs> no, I was like Right. <laughs> he was like maybe in his 40s with his like blue eyes and his beard I met him at this camp where I was charging my phone and we just kind of were like oh hi and then he painted my nails <laughs> and then I all of me wanted not all of me a large part of me wanted to be like let's go on an adventure like come walk with me but mm-hmm. then I was also like I don't know where this is gonna go because I just don't even know what these feelings are Right. so I just was like I'm gonna go and he was like oh okay and I left even though like literally no words have been exchanged that's just my projection yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. we were having this moment <laughs> and I told Jason about it when when he rejoined our camp and he he was like oh I feel so sad that you didn't feel like you could like see what happened um because he he doesn't have really much jealousy or discomfort around like we've talked about being with other people and I was like yeah I just didn't feel like I needed to Mm. explore that like it was kind of exciting um but I didn't need to do it so it was okay and I also just didn't feel like I needed to complicate anything right now yeah and burning it as it is is already like intense enough yeah 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 it's like I didn't know what he was doing he'd been away yes. from the camp three days <laughs> yeah. um so but it, but it, but just him saying that like oh I early on in a relationship we talked about being free like freedom being this mm. important thing and I I remember at one point when we were talking about the possibility of being with other people there wasn't even really anybody in mind I said to him you know I would trust myself to be with somebody for a like connective reason like mm-hmm. not just out of I just want to fuck people and have fun yeah but I can I can trust that I would choose for a real reason mm-hmm. the importance of being with somebody mm-hmm. and I said I think I could trust you to do that too that's cool yeah and he that was this huge moment for us I think like cool. he was like whoa like and it brought us a lot closer together. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And have you had have you had any moments of jealousy like at all since then or no? Um, there hasn't really been anything or anybody. I'm trying to think actually. Huh. It's funny because like actually I sometimes you know what I do this thought experiment sometimes. Uh-huh. Like, does the person want to have a relationship with me as well? Mm-hmm. And if they don't, that's where I would feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool to think about. I've considered jealousy a little bit this year because every so often, I think I felt I have two distinguishable memories of jealousy with two different people that I experienced. And what I realized in both of those circumstances, well, with the first girl, I realized pretty quickly that one of the reasons why I'm jealous of this situation is because not necessarily in a sexual or romantic way, but I really admire that woman. Mm. And so I feel threatened by her on the one sense, but it's actually because I think she's fucking cool. Mm-hmm. And and so I the practice of trying to get over the jealousy was leaning into friendship with her. Mm. And and which was like not always easy, but actually was so beautiful. I thought of it when you talked right at the beginning about this idea of just women relationships when it comes to like sexual relationships, romantic relationships. How do we kind of support each other? 
and it was yeah it was a really cool exercise and I what I realized was that it was not necessarily indicative of the person or the people involved or the moment it was more indicative of my interpretation of a situation and my own maybe insecurities or work or whatever and so trying to like lean into the friendship which maybe wouldn't always be possible with someone I'm jealous of maybe I don't love them that much or don't have that much time I don't want to develop a friendship but kind of leaning into like what's so great about them then looking at the idea of wanting them to be happy also and looking at the positives as opposed to seeing them as a threat Mm -hmm. seeing them just as another human being and like wanting the best for everybody involved that happened recently with someone that I interpreted a situation and it was with someone who's a really good friend of mine like a very good friend of mine and it was shitty actually I I, I don't know how people walk around with jealousy because it was so quickly was jealousy related to a partner of yours or someone I was seeing and and they met a very good friend of mine but in my mind I kind of was they like each other they're gonna want to be together it was this very I'm out I'm out I'm out <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and it was super, it was really funny because I don't think it was entirely irrational in the sense that they're both beautiful, wonderful people with a lot in common. Mm-hmm. Probably also why they're both really into me. <laughs> like, you know, like we all have these very mm-hmm. similar commonalities. We're all kind, loving people. But it was coming from a place of maybe perceiving her as a threat to me when actually it was, or I could perceive this as we all get along because we're all wonderful people. And just like leaning into the trust of, if I trust both of those people, which I do, they're going to communicate to me if there's actually deeper mm-hmm. feelings there. Um, and otherwise, my assumptions that there are, are my own to deal with and not mm-hmm. to dump onto them. But the toxicity of that is, is pretty real. Like I can, it would be so shitty to live with those feelings. You know, when you care about a mm-hmm. friend and mm-hmm. have those feelings about a friend. So anyway, I do kind of envy the people that are like, I don't really have jealousy. <laughs> it's not that I don't have it. Like, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, okay, cool. <laughs> It's not that I don't have it. I've definitely had strong feelings of jealousy mm. of people in the past. I think the reason I don't have it as strongly with Jason mm-hmm. is because because of the trust that we've grown. Mm. Like I had more at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then just like seeing how he has operated and seeing how he like has consistently shown up mm-hmm. makes me feel like it like makes the jealousy irrelevant because the trust is so strong right yeah that makes sense yeah hmm. i remember like you know we were talking about these theoretical conversations about being with other people which are important just in terms of because thought experiments are hmm. helpful yeah and because even if you don't act on them it's like knowing that you could mm-hmm. or knowing that there's an option to that everything can be talked about yeah. Basically. Yeah. I can't remember where I was going with that. The thought experiments, talking it through. Um, da, 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 that I used to be jealous. Exercising, like, the brain. <laughs> <laughs> ba, ba, da, ba. I used to be jealous, and now I'm not. No, not that I'm not. Okay. It's okay. I'll, I'll come okay. back to it. I can go off on a tangent, and then if we come back, we can come back to it. Well, in terms of that thought experiment, I think it's really beautiful, because I also... Well, A, I think cognitive behavioral therapy stuff training your brain to think a certain way it is very powerful and that's a very tangible way to control emotions instinctually in reference to free diving where you kind of at least in like the general practice and exercise of it as an activity you're kind of hanging out on a floating buoy and there's like an anchored line 
and to do the free dive you kind of with the snorkel you just like hang out and basically don't move and you float in the water and you breathe deeply and you do these kind of like really slow breathing exercises calm your body down take one breath when you feel ready to and then you do a longer dive and what some free divers have suggested to me which has been really helpful is visualizing the dive before I do it in my breathe up and that has Mm. definitely helped which Mm -hmm. is really interesting But then separate to that, another friend of mine, when we were actually talking about healthy relationships, and I think we were kind of theorizing and philosophizing around the idea of like manifestation. What does that even mean? Um, So it's not necessarily like, if I say it, it will come true. Or like American dream, if you work towards it, you'll get it. But more this idea of if you practice doing something and you really visualize yourself getting there, then you're more able to do it Mm. as it happens and create those situations as you're able to. But um, he talked about, I think, like some sort of, and I'll botch the exact story, but it was, I think, some sort of experiment that was done on coaching of pretty high up basketball leagues in the U.S. And kind of um, doing, for an extended period of time, coaching teams that were fairly equal to each other. One coaching was just having, I think, having the team doing, it was, I think it was more like physical, actual physical drills and exercises. And then the other one was... 50% being in a room, but like visualizing mm. and actually thinking through meditating on moves, scenarios, um, not talking, but actually literally trying to visualize and then some physical drills. And I think the one that did the visualization was the ones that were mm. by far most successful, which is super interesting. Huh. And again, I probably botched exactly how that happened, but it was something to that effect. And that's been kind of interesting for mm. me to also think through... And that would be a place that I'm at, I think, in my life and I think in my own healing process. And this is also maybe a different tangent in some ways, but in my healing from my own, probably part of the reason why I'm doing a sexuality and spirituality podcast is because these are just things I'm really working out for myself in my life. And for me, it's so important. And so I'm trying to practice the manifestation thing a little bit. I think that this is such a fine line. Because I think that there are so many ways in which we have projections of the world that influence the world. And I think there's also, we can have intuitions. But then how do you know? I know. It's like, how do you know what of yourself to trust and yeah. what of yourself to um, soften? Because I think that sometimes we can be naive about um, other people's intentions or capacities. Yeah. And sometimes we can be naive because we feel like we should be open. Hmm. And I think that in some other in some other relationships that I've been in that were like open, more open, yeah. there were certain people that I said to my partners, like, I don't I don't want to be open us to be open with that person. I don't want you to connect with that person because I don't trust the way that they operate. Hmm. And I don't feel like they will be as upfront with me and and or you mm-hmm. as we as would benefit us all. Mm-hmm. And so and that happened actually with Jason. There was mm-hmm. like a person that I said, I don't feel comfortable with you. Like and he wasn't really that interested in, in pursuing mm-hmm. something, but she had kind of mm-hmm. um given him an like a invitation like a, kind of. Okay, yeah. And I was like, I don't trust the way that she's operating because I feel like she's putting you in on some kind of Hmm. pedestal Mm -hmm. and that thinking doesn't feel 
like it's gonna or, yeah yeah and and it's I could very easily have been like oh Emma you're just being jealous and protective and blah, blah, right blah. but I I feel like I'm getting better at sensing like trusting myself and knowing and checking with other people who know mm-hmm. that person too like yeah this, this is my sense of them and, and a lot of other people being like yeah actually that's my sense of them too yeah still being open to the possibility that they could be different in any moment could change yeah. and grow yeah. in lots of different ways yeah but also not discounting the, the your, yeah body break if you're enjoying what you hear please consider checking out body and wine's patreon page patreon.com slash body and wine podcast monthly donations of one dollar five dollar or 25 dollars will help support the costs associated with the project Either way, please share episodes and our Instagram at Body and Wine Podcast with friends and social media networks. Let's break down those taboos. Boo yeah. I mean, I think that so my experience was like and the like main message I got was like unshakable self-love, basically. Whoa. Cool. And once I got that message, I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm he- I'm here. Yeah. I don't need anybody else mm-hmm. to be here. Mm-hmm. Cool. But the like being there for myself was powerful, and I think like then very helpful for as we did work through things when we did. Yeah, I do. I do feel grateful in that. I think the last couple of years, interestingly as well, like I've lived alone for most of my time in the last like while I've been in the Middle East for the majority of it, which is new for me. I've never lived alone mm-hmm. before, and. It was really great for a huge period of time. And then for like the last six months of it, it was like, this is fucking lonely. Like, mm-hmm. it's so lonely. Um, but it made sense for me just in the different scenarios to stay alone based on my schedule and a whole bunch of other stuff. So I was like, okay, whatever. But it was so good in that it's, it helped me. I mean, I've been pretty independent and come to terms with that for a pretty long time now. I mean, give or take needing to work on that. You know, I came to terms with the fact that if I was alone, quote unquote, in terms of partnership for the rest of my life, I know I would be happy. Yeah. I might not love it all the time, but I would be fulfilled. Also, you're not going to be respect my partnership all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But coming to terms with that was very helpful for me a while ago. But then really living with myself and living with myself through loneliness Mm. and through this distance from someone who may or may not ever be there for me and it was just so much stuff that really made me like really come into myself Mm. in a way that was okay if this is all I ever have that's exciting yeah yeah really good this year was actually difficult but very good secure feeling of I'll be okay the only thing is just like I don't want to do that anymore and you gotta risk there's like always gotta be a risk because I don't want to be cold you know as well yeah you can't be like well I don't want to get over another person so I'm not gonna and that's okay that's just also part of life where Mm -hmm. you sometimes want things and you just don't get them and (laughs) fine with that you know (laughs) one thing I'm very grateful for is that I have come to terms with I would rather be on my own and then in a partnership that's toxic or unhealthy whereas definitely that was not always true for my life. Yeah. More willing to have that partner, even if it's making both of you worse Unhappy. people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think this is morbid, but I think a lot about, a lot. I think, I think sometimes about Jason dying because, mm-hmm. you know, nothing's for sure. Yeah. I even think about it in relation to like us having kids. Like, right. We could have a kid and he could die. Mm-hmm. Rather than, 
now now I have a partner and now it's a constant. Guess what? Body and Wine Podcast is on Instagram and I love friends. So if you are a friend who has Instagram or you have friends who have Instagram, feel free to add the podcast and share with whoever you'd like. The podcast handle is at Body and Wine Podcast. Add me, share me, like me. I'll add you back. I've like had some anxiety about, not like, not tons, but I just have noticed my anxiety because he's been really not communicative Mm. because camp is so busy. And then when he tells me what's going on, I'm like, I'm so glad that that's what you're spending your time doing and not Mm. calling me. Right. Like he's like, we have our first transgender camper who came out and like they came as a girl last week and Mm. it really wasn't working. And then they came out to the staff and then. I talked to the children's aide and their foster mom, and I said, we can put them in a boy's cabin. We have a non-binary counselor. They really gravitated to the non-binary counselor. They can be a boy next week and advocated for this kid. Wow. And maybe the first environment where this kid is going to be able to... Like, be safe and be be themselves. themselves. Yeah. And I'm like, great. That's why you weren't calling me, because you were doing that really important work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> but I'm, like, you know, I still have my feelings about, like, yeah. if you loved me, you would, you would like, want to tell me things. If you really love me, you would, you would make it work. You about me all the time. <laughs> You're an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. I guess we should probably, like, say goodbye. <laughs> Sexuality, spirituality, um, I feel like we should sum it up a little bit. Wrapped up in a bow. Um. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell a story. Tell a story. Okay. So, I feel like a major turning point for me was actually Burning Man. You talked about Ohm and festivals being full. And, um... It actually took me like a year to realize that this change had taken place. But basically after like after my first Burning Man, I felt like I came into myself in this way where like I realized I was a babe and I like hadn't felt confident in that before. Like I gotten over insecurities of like I was comfortable with my body. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I was ugly. Mm-hmm. I thought I was like... I have all sorts of good qualities. Yeah, I was I'm like, like confident in myself. I was yeah. like a professional, blah, blah, you know, mm-hmm. running a yoga studio, da, 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 da. Um, but then Burning Man was this like opportunity. And I think actually it was the context of being in a place where sexuality is like represented everywhere. Mm. And yet I didn't feel objectified and I didn't feel like other people were objectified yes totally so then I could just be myself Mm -hmm. and then realize that myself had these layers of sensuality and sexuality Mm -hmm. that could be expressed through dancing through laughing and joking with people through Mm -hmm. walking through adventuring through anything Mm -hmm. um, which hadn't felt comfortable to come out before because Mm -hmm. I felt like sexuality like I would be objectifying myself Mm -hmm. or be in competition with other women Mm -hmm. and I always wanted to take myself out of that competition so Mm. as not to be threatening right the nun or because I was insecure Mm. yeah and I like have reflected a lot on how I never felt 
I mean, I feel like this is also my privilege of being a woman who's not experienced sexual assault or like um, aggression, yeah. really. But like, I would be, I would be dancing topless at Burning Man and not feel unsafe, mm-hmm. and or like someone was going to touch me or come on mm-hmm. to me or something. And I think mm-hmm. that that was like this liberating experience. Mm-hmm. Even being somebody who hadn't been aggressed on before, right. it, yeah. but it was like, this is a new, but it's like, I would not dance in a sexy way normally because I was still afraid of that. But yeah. there, I wasn't afraid of that. Yeah. So it's like this whole new possibility came alive. And it was cool because like in the year after my first Burning Man, like my friends were saying to me who, who, you know, didn't go there and they're not burners, but they were like, you're different. Like there's mm, something different mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. you. And, and actually... Last year, I made that second set of talismans, so like a bunch of necklaces that have words on them, mm-hmm. and it took me a few months to give all the remaining ones away, but then when I finally got mine, the last one was Total Babe. Yes! <laughs> and end. No, Amazing. That's fucking cool. Yeah, those, those spaces... There's something about... Because the sexuality becomes then... It's like then you are sexual dancing... For yourself because you don't have to do it for anyone yeah. else or it, like whether you're doing it for someone else or to avoid doing it for someone else yeah you just do it because oh that's just how and i feel just move to do yeah that. yeah and then i think when i dance actually usually it's pretty sexual but it's super actually for myself yeah and every so often i'm like oh maybe i look fucking cool right now yeah. <laughs> but actually it's really cool because i kind of don't care yeah, yeah yeah or maybe i can revel in it in the moment but i'm like this mm-hmm. is so just me expressing what I this is all for me yeah and then it's super cool because it's a it's taking this power back because then it's totally oh now if I do want that to be for someone else it's coming from a place of I know it's from me and Mm -hmm. still for me totally totally it's not just to appease it's not because I think you want to see this it's like this is who I am anyway like when I like wear I some of my favorite costumes are like pasties and Mm -hmm. booty shorts Mm -hmm. But it's funny because, like, that doesn't actually feel like it at all translates into my sexual life. Like, right. I don't feel yeah. the same kind of sexual when I'm with a partner. Right. Then when I'm wearing those, I'm not looking to pick up. I'm not totally. trying to, like, titillate anybody. I'm just literally... But it's not It's not a performance. It's, no. like, my... It's just self-expression. Totally. So that's what I think is so freeing mm. about context like that, is mm-hmm. that sexuality can become self-expression, mm-hmm. which feels like spirituality totally bam nailed it nailed the podcast yeah and bye (laughs) (laughs) and that's about it friends in a few moments i will end off with emma and i's experience of tasting the wine that we both shared for this evening something that not all listeners know is that body and wine podcast's name is inspired by the concept of the communion which is something that i uh, grew up with in some of the church denominations that i used to go to and then later developed as i came out of my faith years uh, this respect for the idea that i took away from communion and that some of the communities i was uh, living in took away from communion is simply being the sacredness of when people gather and share food and drink together and that simply in of itself being something 
to be cherished and valued. Uh, so today we dip into a VQA wine from Ontario for international listeners. Yes, Ontario, Canada makes wine and it was a delicious summer wine. It's called Fresh Beginnings by Diamond Estates Wines and Spirits. And that's it. Enjoy Ontario wine if you're living in Canada <laughs> and have a great day. Cheers to fresh new beginnings. Cheers. New beginnings. Oh my God, I was just going to say that. It's delicious. To fresh new beginnings. Mm. <laughs> it's a Moscato. Sounds very virginal. Does, do you know what a Moscato means? Mm-mm. I don't either. I did a, like, learned a little bit about wine tasting. I forget it all now. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I think you're supposed to like take some in your mouth and like inhale air. As you... <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're new. Yeah. At life. <laughs> At life. <laughs> I do want to read the back of this though because mm-hmm. it's really cute. It's pretty. It's so pretty. Okay, so the description of this wine, Fresh Beginnings, that's literally what it's called. Okay. From the Niagara Peninsula, BQA. Its description is, I awoke as though from a dream and realized that everything was going to be different now. Fresh beginnings require a leap of faith, leading to adventures that become the stories we share with friends over a glass of wine. Fresh wines are crafted to be flavorful, approachable, and perfectly suited for storytelling and new beginnings. Fresh. See where it takes you. <laughs> I don't. That last little bit, you made it sound like it was like a mattress commercial. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. I could sponsor that on Body and Wine, <laughs> or they could sponsor me. <laughs> nice. I don't really feel like we're starting new beginnings, but who knows? Maybe we are. I don't either. Yeah. I mean, you're sort of like not really at the beginning of the podcast anymore. No, I'm not at the beginning of anything. Okay. But I'm happy with that. <laughs> Cool. Oh, I thought this was an olive, but it's a chocolate. I was like, wow, it's weird. <laughs> weird texture. texture. It's very hard and wet. <laughs> also, they were in the freezer, so they are a bit sweaty. Excellent. <laughs> Just like me. Just, yeah, everything's sweaty.